Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. AJ Mass. The one and only. Why should people listen to this episode of Pod Friends? Well, I think all of us out there have wondered, is there an actual mister inside the Mr. Met suit? The answer, well, I don't know anymore because I don't know who's in it anymore. I haven't been Mr. Met since 1997, but there was at one point an actual mister (laughs) inside the Mr. Met suit. And that mister was me. Uh, And I don't want to be a mystery any longer so uh yeah come share a few moments as we discuss uh all that makes me tick tick boom damn look at that look at that <laughs> tick tick boom what's is that a reference Something? i i, I it's actually i covered that on nothing but netflix oh yeah, yeah yeah i was gonna say no i was like i don't know if it i know the reference but i didn't yeah. i wasn't piecing it okay Yeah, look, I'm a stream of consciousness kind of guy, so. (laughs) You know what? I do feel like this part will maybe be in the intro. We'll see, whatever. Uh, Any final, oh, not final words. Uh, Yeah, anything else? Just give, I just like, I just like to get the magic from you. The the magic from you. Showtime. Okay, Okay, there we go.
everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Pod Friends. I'm your host, Matt Scott. You could follow me on social media at Matt Scott GW. And I'm excited to be here with you today, but I want to ask you, how are you doing? How are you doing? How's it going? How are you feeling? Always love to check in, um, especially because I feel like this season of Pod Friends, especially, and maybe just like the season of my life personally, has involved a lot of conversations, a lot of, you know, just heavy things, heavy, real, raw, honest, vulnerable things coming up. And checking in with yourself is so important. Um, I've had uh, one person who I work with just like reminding me um, that it's so important to check in on yourself as you're focused on other people and their stories. And so just hope that you're doing that for yourself. But today we have a very special Pod Friends episode, a conversation I loved. And actually, the very first time I spoke with this person, AJ Mass being today's guest. And AJ Mass is so many things, but an ESPN fantasy and sports betting writer and editor. Um, you might also know him from the Mets as Mr. Met. Um, which he has written about and something that's been captured. He's an author. He's someone who within this Robes podcast community has appeared and continues to appear on a number of podcasts, a variety of podcasts, um, but is possibly most known for the archetypes that he first developed for his book and applies to survivors. So I really love talking with AJ because beyond the sports and the archetypes of it all. Like we really dove into his story of how he grew up and what that looked like. He mentions and talks about his mom's experience um, just with mental health and struggles with that and gets specific about that. And he talks about how that's affected him, how, how he was raised affects him. We have an interesting conversation about race and identity, um, which I think is really notable. And I hope that, folks get something from and we touched on so much but um one of the things i really appreciated was that aj was someone i could ask about the process of sharing your story and of writing a book it's something i've wanted to do i mean been interested in most of my life at this point um, but it was cool because if you are someone who's interested in writing a book or sharing your story aj really breaks it down um, and gives you some tangible steps which i hope are helpful as you work to do that so of course i'll do my introduction for aj in a little bit and tell you a little bit more about him um, but of course i just want to plug his two books um, number one, How Fantasy Sports Explains the World, and his other book, Yes, It's Hot in Here, Adventures in the Weird, Wooly World of Sports Mascots, which I do excitedly say the name of or the names of uh, throughout this podcast. So you'll hear that along the way. But again, I hope that you're doing well. I hope that you're taking care of yourselves. And I hope um, that you can continue to be here on this Pod Friends journey as we near the end of the season. A couple more or a few more exciting episodes are coming up. But as we near the end of the season, um, just want to mention that I would love for you to subscribe to the podcast, robhiswebsite.com slash podfriendsfeed. Um, you could reach out via email 
at podfriends at robhiswebsite.com. You could reach out on social media at Matt Scott GW at Hey Podfriends. And of course, so I'd love to invite you also to become a patron of Rob as a podcast. Support me as a podcaster, support all of us and this network and the content you love um, by going to robhiswebsite.com slash Patreon. And um, you can subscribe not only to be the first to hear about patron events and the like and have discounts to some of those um, but also just to be part of a community that plays games together has special podcasts together i love this patron community um, which is one of the reasons that pod friends is a thing but now without further ado let me introduce our guest Making his way to the podcast, hailing from New York, you know him as a writer for ESPN, covering fantasy sports, a two-time published author, a father and a husband, and the first person to don the Mr. Met suit since the mascot was retired by the Mets in the 1960s. You've seen him on RHAP, talking Survivor and Archetypes, and now you're seeing him on Pod Friends. Please welcome the self-described elder statesman of RHAP. AJ Mass. But yeah, it's like, I mean, maybe just like the organic place to start without overthinking it. I mean, AJ, I don't want to blow up your spot. I don't want to blow up your spot. But I have to acknowledge this is, look, we're transparent on this podcast. You reach out to me in terms of this this conversation or in terms of having a conversation. I jumped at the opportunity to talk with you knowing that you're a pod friends uh listener familiar or even like knew that i existed or that pod friends existed um and so there's so much that i want to talk with you about today but i kind of want to know from your perspective like what why 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 give low lowly little me any attention and time and uh yeah, I, I, maybe that's a good place to start. I mean, basically, because therapy is way too expensive, and you're offering us for free. At- <laughs> no, I'm not a therapist. I have to say that. I have to say that probably Absolutely. for legal Absolutely. reasons. <laughs> no, I just like talking. I like talking. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, basically, this puts you on ahead. Uh, you know, when Taryn started the Taryn show, mm-hmm. he it, he invited everybody who I've ever done a podcast with on never once reached out to me, and and and. Yeah, it hurt a little bit, Taryn. Uh, no, I, I, you know, I, I just, uh, I, I was offering up my services in case you, were, you know, you ever had a, an opening for a guest. I, I, I'm not uh, someone who needs to be in the spotlight. I don't, I don't yeah. really like to be in the spotlight. But at the same time, I like to talk, and this is a community yeah. that uh, you know I'm a part of. And uh, certainly, uh, hey, let's 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 go. You know that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? Like that, I, I appreciate that a lot because I, number one, like I, um, I'm glad, I'm glad that we're connecting now, um, for a multitude of reasons, but like for me, pod friends is this opportunity to like actually get to know people and dive deeper. And, you know, one thing that, um, that I'm sure we'll dive in the day that we have, uh, my pod friends episode where I interview myself in the most like (laughs) insane podcast ever. Who knows uh, if that'll ever happen, but like, you know, I, uh, yeah, this is kind of like, I think something that people don't really appreciate is like, yeah, this is the first time that 
Uh, and actually, this is like the longest. These conversations on Pod Friends are the longest conversations with probably most of the people that I've had on at this point, 30 plus people. Um, and so I'm just like thankful for an excuse to connect because, um, of course, I've been a fan as many RHA people, uh, RHA people. Ooh, I like that. Um, as, as many uh, Rob has a people have been um, have been you know, for years about the archetypes and everything else, but there's so much there to dive into. Um, and I don't know, I guess like a question I have for you, I love getting really meta with these podcasts. So, you know, obviously when I, you know, I've, I found like talking with people who are on pod friends, whether after the podcast, especially after we stop recording, often they'll share like, Ooh, I have like, I, I had a feeling Matt that it would go in this direction or that direction. Did you anticipate what this conversation will be about? This is the most meta conversation <laughs> about the conversation we're about to have. But yeah, I'm kind of curious from you. I feel like I could ask you that question. Yeah, uh, I mean, certainly there are certain topics that I wouldn't be surprised to, that you came up with. And there are certain topics that I would definitely be like, wow, where did that come from? But I tend, I have an improv background. Mm-hmm. And I, uh, I'm from New York City originally. And yeah. after college, I was in New York, and I joined a theater company called Freestyle Repertory Theater, and we did uh, a lot of improv off Broadway. And so yeah. I'm I'm used to like going to situations like this and being very very open to just letting it come and trying not to overplan <laughs> and anticipate. Yeah, that- I was gonna say that's a pretty good way to a pretty good way to live. Um, but I will say that you know, with all of that in mind, um, that this, um, yeah, there's just like a lot we could touch on. But I want to really just dive in and mention the fact that we have something in common, or something that like I feel like should be an alliance of ours. Because like I'm Matt Scott. And you focus a lot on mascots, and I just feel like there's some brand <laughs> synergy within okay. all of that. You are, you are, uh, you you are in my mind a mascot, and uh, I don't know. Do you still identify as a mascot, or is it like a former type of thing? Yeah, no, it's uh, oof, long, long answer for that one. I could go into. Uh, <laughs> so I was Mr. Met. From 1994 yes. to 1997. So you're not insulting me by calling a mascot no, <laughs> at all. No. And uh, I've written a book about mascots. Uh, in fact, I was just uh, this past week named to the executive board of the Mascot Hall of Fame in Whiting, Indiana, Ooh. because of my mascot history. So, yes, I still uh, am part of that community and uh, still, still, you know, when I go to a game, a professional event, I'm, I'm, taking note of the mascot before a lot of the players, a lot of the time, <laughs> figuring that out. I still identify. Um, I no longer see Mr. Met on TV and immediately go, oh, that's me, hmm. which I did for a long time after I, I stopped playing the character um, yeah. because I had put so much of myself into creating the character. And it's, it, it, it is hard to separate uh, a lot of that, uh, you know, it is somebody else and it doesn't look like you, but it was me for so long. It was such a part of my life that, that Mr. Met was me and I was Mr. Met. I mean, thankfully I didn't get any tattoos or anything like that. Cause that'd be weird. But um, yeah, I, yeah, I'm a mascot. I'm just, I'm Mr. Met. And, but I, I, I'm no longer like, Oh my gosh, well, that's me. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's interesting, like thinking, and I guess this comes up around a lot of topics, but thinking of sports, like, there's a lot of that. Um, I don't know for me. So I'm thinking back to when I was in college, I went to uh, George Wash, excuse me, the George Washington University yeah. uh, here in Washington, D.C. And like I was super involved in so many things on campus. But one of the things was our student fan group. And I was not the mascot at any point, but there were a couple like I was so close to that action. So I knew the mascot really well or, you know, the couple people who'd be in our George Washington mascot costumes. Um, and, you know, it was a, uh, I, I had the opportunity to put the head on and everything else, but it's, it's so interesting in relation to sports, how like you could really develop an identity of like, you know, for me, I was like, I'm like, people would say to me, I would not say this, but like, you're Mr. GW, Matt, like you are at all the games and all, and you know, things just kind of evolve in terms of your, your identity with that. But I want to kind of, Go back because I know this has been well documented. You've written about this, and also, um, you know, there's the the film about this. But like overall, for those who don't understand the mascot experience or value it, what was it like being Mister Met? And like in general, what is it like being within you know a costume first and foremost, other than being insanely hot? <laughs> Absolutely, uh, go Colonials. Uh, yeah, the uh... <laughs> actually, I was gonna say uh, they're, they're, they're changing the mascot. They they got rid of the colonials for yeah, colonization yeah. reasons, so they're in the yeah. maybe it'll be like go hippos, but yeah, yeah. we're the colonials. Uh, I, I've detached myself, other than still being Matt Scott GW on all platforms. No problem. Neither no here or there. <laughs> uh, you know, it's it's a there, there's being a mascot for an organization and, and mm. a team and a school like. When you go to a school, the school mascot, you are part of that community. And so, yeah. you know, the mascot represents the community and it is a student who's part of the student body. It's a different experience for a professional team. Mm -hmm. um, it was really different for me because I grew up as a Met fan. I grew up within walking distance to Shea Stadium. Yeah. I could see Shea Stadium from my bedroom window. Mm -hmm. um, and so yeah. for me, you know, you're, you're a young kid, you're playing Little League ball. You're like, oh, I'm going to be on the Met someday. And then, you know, mm -hmm. you realize I'm not good enough to be in... <laughs> Basically, baseball player. Um, then I said, "Well, I'll be the announcer for the Mets someday." And so, yeah. I, you know, I got a broadcast journalism degree. I was just into into that angle, and life throws you a curveball and says, "Hey, would you, would you like to be the mascot for the Mets?" Mm -hmm. um, so this was the team I grew up rooting for. This was a stadium I spent a lot of weekends in as a kid, uh, mm -hmm. just going to games. And so, for me, this was like, I think different than a lot of people who just, you know, move to a new city, get a job as the mascot or something like that. So this really was such a large part. Being a Met fan was such a large part of my identity as a kid. Um, so this was really special for me. And so uh, for that aspect, if I was a Met fan and I brought that to the character, it was new character when I, when I got to the suit. And so yeah. my idea for the character was that this is Mr. Met grew up as a Mets fan and he knows what things, but so it, but that was easy for me because it was really just me, but you know, times a thousand at by extension. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's genuinely, generally that's what mascots are um, for the, in relation to the performer. Uh, either you're mm -hmm. a very introverted person and you put on the suit and gives you permission to be extroverted mm -hmm. or you're just a crazy extrovert all the time. And that just magnifies. Uh, I'm definitely, introverted person yeah. who put you know 
you know, I, I can do podcasts. There's still, there's still a distance. There's a screen, sure. there's a microphone and normally not video, which is even easier. But, um, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm not someone who's very outgoing unless I know, know people. It takes me a while to break the ice. But I'm also not afraid to take chances, which is why I auditioned for this in the first place. Yeah. Um, but yeah, once, you, once you're in the suit, though, it is a completely different animal. It's like uh, all eyes on you all the time. Like you're, you, you're, you know, I could walk in the stadium, walk past all these fans. Uh, no one notices me. Put the yeah. suit on, walk past the same fans, woof, mob, you know. So it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's like being able to be, uh, you know, that hot pop star that Justin Bieber, you know, type. Like, oh my God, oh my God. I know he's not that hot anymore, but you know, work with these people. Yeah. <laughs> he has his fans. Well, yeah. you know, but to be like this international, like sensation star. And then like that yeah. mob, you get to experience that. And then you get to take the suit off and just be anonymous again, which is so you can be normal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like an interesting dynamic. And I think that uh, one of the things that's really fascinating to me is the fact that like, OK, so to contrast this with uh, <laughs> Times Square in New York, you know, you'll see famously you'll see like 20 people in Elmo suits without oh, either the dirty, without Elmos. The yes. dirty Elmos, without the without the hat on, like or they'll just wear it on the top of their head or it's like, come on, like the, your, your costume is made out of plastic, like out of plastic or paper, like put in some more effort. Right. <laughs> and so but, it, you know, when you're a professional in a mascot suit, like you can't just take off the head like that's probably a cardinal sin to take off your your help but are there like people that you are is there anyone that you met where you're like oh my god i wish i wasn't in this suit right now uh in meeting this you know incredible person like i don't know i'm curious if there are any um, uh, notable memories of folks that you've met in your mascot journey sure like no i've had i've had a lot of fun i, I mean the, the thing is i wouldn't want to meet a lot of these people out of the suit because i again i'd be too shy to approach you know i i, I wouldn't mm. know what to say i mean even when we go to rhb live events it took me a couple yeah. of years before i was able to be comfortable enough to like up to oh you were on the last season of survivor should i talk to you because oh yeah you know it's like uh, no, uh. but you know after a while i realized oh they know who i am too sort of so <laughs> uh, uh-huh. i could i could approach them but no with you know i i've had some fun with it you know, I, I got to dance uh, Lord of the Dance with Michael Flatley. That was kind of cool. Um, uh, I, to me, the, the the one that I enjoyed personally, I was a big fan of the show Party of Five. Mm-hmm. And in one of it, it, one of the uh, Mets games, uh, Scott Wolf, who played Bailey on the show, yeah. was, was yeah. sitting behind him. I saw, I saw him there before the game. Uh, I said, oh, I'm going to go up to him. I'm going to go up to him. So I said at nine o'clock, which happened to be on the night that Party of Five was actually on TV. So at nine o'clock, I mm-hmm. actually arranged it with the sound guy to play the theme song for Party of Five over the loudspeakers. And I went up and I waved and I, sh- you know, I made sure the cameras, it was, it was kind of a cute little moment there. <laughs> and he, he totally got what was going on. He laughed. And I saw he had a, a cup in front of him. And I kind of yeah. like scolded him like, you're not drinking, are you? Because his character on the show was an alcoholic and shouldn't be drinking. Oh. And he's like, no, 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 I'm not drinking. No, drinking bad. We had a fun little moment. Those little moments oh like gosh. that with the celebrities <laughs> that I really enjoy because like they got that I'm not there to like embarrass them. Yeah. You know, I'm going to do my little shtick. I'm going to move on. Yeah, and it's funny. I think I think I'm uh, I'm just okay. Yeah. So Scott Wolf in particular, I was I was just thinking this, but yeah, he is from uh, my hometown of West Orange, New Jersey. Which like this whole conversation, and actually the fact <laughs> knowing that knowing that you're a, I mean you're 
would you call yourself a jersey person would you call yourself like I don't, a boner are you okay you're you're a guest in our home of new jersey i am a new yorker i'm from new york born and raised in new york big apple i don't have the accent anymore because i went to school to uh, do journalism and you lose your accent really quick but put me on the phone with anyone from queens and suddenly i start talking like this again and you totally know i'm from new york so uh, oh, you know, I, I cannot watch Poker Face with Natasha Leone because really, Natasha <laughs> Leone, she's from that's Queens. Him. And that's, you know, that's the thing. Yeah. So, yeah, the Queens will come out of me. But, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I moved down here to Jersey, but yeah. uh, to be closer to my, uh, my wife's parents uh, yeah. back in the day. And to get out of Dodge after 9-11, but we don't have to go down that road. Well, but yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, but yeah uh, I don't consider myself someone from New Jersey, but my son no. does. So it's kind of weird. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's that's said like a South Jersey person. I'm a North Jersey person. And we, yeah. I know where I know where I came. I know where I come from. I know where my bread was buttered. It's been you and 12 J-Lo, years yeah, since you know I where lived you come there. From, right? Me and J-Lo. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The block. We're on the block. Uh, but no, I mentioned this too because like something that's been going through my mind. Uh, I, I uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Chris Gethard, who has famous mm-hmm. Jersey person, a yeah. uh, couple of great podcasts and shows. Oh, and the Action Park comedian. movie. Yeah, yeah, the Action Park movie, of course. Uh, New Which Jersey I have scars from. Thank you very much. Oh my gosh! Wait. Okay. So before I even continue that thought on Chris Gethard. We, uh, what is i want to know like are what what kind of scars what kind of injuries did you have did you snap your neck at action park and for those who don't know could you just like briefly how would you sum up what action park is well there's nothing in the world like action park where you're the center of the action yeah action park (laughs) if you haven't seen there's a really good documentary on it um they called it traction park back in the day Mm. it was basically this theme park uh, that was unregulated and very dangerous. And there was a uh, there was a water part to the park with like wave pools that were way like tsunami like, uh, uh-huh. and corkscrews and things where people would just like get hurt left and right. And then there was the action side with uh, go karts and 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 the biggest draw was the alpine slide, which is basically you go up on this ski lift oh, to the no. top of the mountain, and there were these three co- concrete shoots that you got got on a skateboard and went down and they yeah. were basically graded you know slow medium fast yeah and, yeah i was there i'm eight years old maybe and so they were like oh you're eight years old you got to go on the slow and you'd, you'd go down and then as soon as you were like maybe like 300 feet from the start you'd pick it up walk to the middle slide or the the fast slide and keep going because there was no Mm -hmm. regulation there and the teenager Mm -hmm. up top isn't paying attention anymore so you know i go down on the faster one and you flip and you just concrete burn man i got i got scars on my right right knee from that stuff wow you're just bleeding bleeding out the wazoo having the time of your life because you're eight and you don't know any better i mean cars didn't have seatbelts back when i was eight so at least not, not in the back seat I love I love the picture you're painting. Uh, and, you know, you are the self-described elder statesman of RHAP. But I will say, like, you know, uh, Action Park is is one of a kind. And, you know, it's a great I'd encourage people to check that out over on HBO Max uh, for the documentary. But where I was going with the Chris, Chris Gethard yes. reference is that he uh, hosts another podcast called Beautiful Anonymous, which is just talking with anonymous people. And I feel like there's some similarity in the dynamic where, you know, you are in a mascot suit. So people don't know, like, when they come up to you, it's not AJ, it's 
like Mr. Met or the, it was Mr. Met. So I, I'm also curious about that. Like, did this might sound ridiculous, but yeah. like, were there certain ex- I w- well, I want to know if people, honestly, if they told you their secrets uh, because you were Mr. Met, but also I'm <laughs> curious if there was anything like that where people uh, really had a good time with the anonymity, uh, not seeing you as a person, but seeing you as, as Mr. Met. Oh yeah. I mean, that's kind of part and parcel of the job. It's like, you know, the fans treat you as part of the team, mm-hmm. but you're not part of the team. The players teach you as one of the fans, but you're not part of the team. So you're kind of like, you're yeah. betwixt the two worlds and never, uh, you know, mm-hmm. comfortable with either one. Uh, you know, you, you have people, I mean, the number of times you, I've had both girls and guys like goose me or, you know, hit on me and then, and then like instantly go, you know, you're a, you're a guy and you're a girl and like they you know they didn't know what Still gender bizarre. was in the suit so like yeah. that was that was kind of weird um <laughs> you know I'm not gonna yuck your yum but come on <laughs> that's so oh, you're, well, I mean, you're, you're the mascot so it's like look you're basically like whatever you, you're not you're, you can't talk back to them like that, well yeah so. and, and and you're not supposed but, to talk mascot suit i mean there are there are there are a couple who do and I, well yeah well, no. well, but okay. um yeah 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 i mean yeah in in a big emergency you know you can you can back back off you know if, if someone's like really threatening you obviously and you're supposed to have bodyguards uh, most of the time most mascots do uh yeah i don't think anyone's ever told me like a secret i mean kids different story kids oh. don't kids don't understand the difference yeah. you know they recognize mr matt as mr matt and they don't they don't know uh that mr matt is not real a lot of them and you know a lot of them came to the park to visit mr matt they didn't they're not there for the baseball game so mm-hmm. um i always made sure to you know I don't care. Yeah, I I might might have fun, you know, playing with the grown-ups or going on the field and let, you know, interact with the players, but yeah. you know, the real job for me was like shaking the hands with every making sure I did not miss a kid if if at all possible yeah. and, and listening to the kid and, and that you know they tell me their stories, you know, I'm not really listening because I know what kids <laughs> stories are, but you know, you know nod right. and shake it, you know, and show sympathy. The one thing that I will say that was so sad. Uh, I, I, mm-hmm. I wrote about this in my book. Uh, it was yeah. my friend Jamie, uh, who was the Oakland A's mascot. When she left the job, she was heartbroken because she had this ritual with a special needs child for every game that they oh. would do the special handshake. And like it, it really, she hit her on opening day that I'm not going to be in the suit and the kid's not going to understand why, you know, Stomper is not doing the special handshake anymore. Mm. And like it, it broke her heart, but like that's you know that's where you know you're not the mask, but in many ways you are, <laughs> yeah. you know. And, and the, so it, yeah, that that, that it, it's an interesting dichotomy that you know you the, the character will move on and live without me uh, and go through changes and everything, and, and now is nothing like what it was when, when when I was in the suit. But you know, in a way, it's really sad. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say that's kind of heartbreaking, and it's uh, I think I, I mean I'm I feel like people could probably relate just whether or not it's in uh while well suited up in some kind of way or not but it's like whenever you leave any kind of any kind of community or space where you're like uh you're bringing you're forming relationships and then also you're bringing that kind of personalization and energy like it's uh yeah it it's uh it's kind of sad because people have to yeah. adjust to that hopefully they had a new handshake after that <laughs> yeah i mean i'm sure i'm sure you know uh... 
few weeks in, all all, all the new routines are are, yeah. are brought on and all that stuff. But it, yeah, it's just it's just an interesting, uh, you know, I like like as someone like Mister. Mm-hmm. I started Mister. Right in nineteen ninety four, right? Uh, so you know, we're almost thirty years now. Uh, so maybe three generations of kids, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. every ten years a generation of kids. So yeah. like. But like, you know, your grandfather might remember Mr. Met. None of the players right. are going to be the same, but Mr. Met will, will still be, will be a constant. And that's kind of cool uh, to have that kind of lasting impact. Wow. I love it. And I love how there's a, I love how there's like so much, um, there's so much, be- ooh, so much beneath the surface, literally. <laughs> um, and you know, something I think is fascinating is that it's really easy for people to look at um, a wide variety of professions or roles that people could take on, whether it's like, and I know uh, the one and only Rob Sesternino of Rob as a podcast has talked about this, but like, you know, being at a barbecue, it's like, what do you do for a living? I'm a podcaster or I like I have a podcast. It's like people look at that as not necessarily being a real job. But I am, and you use the phrase real job, which is where this question came from at one point. I, I'm curious, like, <laughs> how do you struggle with, and I say this as someone whose job is as a storyteller, so I get this sure, too. Sure. But sure. like, do you find that between, I mean, obviously there's like the podcasting element, the mascot element, the fan, you know, everything with ESPN in terms of like the fantasy betting element. Do you find that people struggle to see these things as real jobs. I, again, I feel like I could ask this question without it being offensive oh, yeah, uh, as no, a absolutely. storyteller. Like, you know, fantasy sports, what's that? Like, <laughs> <laughs> like is fa- what, what, you cover the real sports? No, I don't cover the real sports. Well, I don't understand. Right. Yeah, I, I got a lot. I mean, it's, it's much more mainstream now. Yeah. So I, yeah. I don't have to explain. I, I, I look at it as, you know, I... My, when my son was in sixth grade, mm-hmm. they asked me to come in for career day and, and, and do, do the spiel. And, you know, I, I asked the kids, you know, first question was, you know, all right, so who knows what they want to be when they grow up? Yeah. And, you know, they all raised their hands and, then, you know, most of them had, you know, their suggestion of jobs. And I said, yeah, okay, the job I have now didn't exist when I was your age. Mm. That's right. There was no Internet. So there certainly wasn't internet, you know, and there wasn't fantasy sports like, uh, you know, as a job. Like, so, you know, to, to project that far ahead in the future is, is and say, you know, what's, what's my job going to be? Like your real job now was an imaginary job <laughs> when yeah. you were a kid, you know, for a lot of people. Um, so, yeah, I, look, is any job real? Whoa. You know, doctors, doctors, sure. You know, police fire you know things that actually you know provide services that are essential sure Mm -hmm. but you know if there were no barbers could you cut hair at home yeah would you do a good job no but you know that's not a real job (laughs) because i can do it at home some people would have that that attitude towards it you know what i mean yeah yeah yeah. it's like what defines what a real job is like you said you're a storyteller i'm i'm right now i'm an editor but a writer as well and like i'm a storyteller too like that right that that's one of to me isn't that like one of the most ancient jobs look see hey. i'm you broke you broke my brain with the are there is any job even a real job and i'm like what oh my gosh and <laughs> i'm gonna be thinking about that more 
later and just sitting with that yeah. um and probably having a, an existential crisis with that well, yeah. i gotta tell you the strangest <laughs> job i i did a lot of odd jobs because you know being a mascot <laughs> isn't necessarily paying the bills okay. eventually it became a full-time job when i started it was not it was like 15 dollars an hour which you know right. new york city not gonna cut it uh <laughs> i was once hired by a very big bank to sit in a room for for three months and they called it the feeds analysis project. And they had all these computer feeds that they wanted put into a database oh my to, to let them know where it was coming from, when it was sent, and, and what was in it. I know nothing about finance. I know, how to, mm-hmm. I know how to operate a computer. So basically, what I had to do for three months was go in nine to five, mm-hmm. hit refresh on Lotus Notes, and anytime a feed popped up, I would take the number and put it in the database. And then call the person who sent the feed and said, why did you send this? Oh, my gosh. So basically, for three months, refresh, refresh, refresh. They paid me $20,000 for three months to do this. I mean... What's a real job? What's a real job? The bank had no idea what these feeds were. I don't understand what these feeds were. I don't know what they were doing with this project. They had money to spend, and this is what they were doing. Are you okay after that job? Like, uh, did it, did it, did it, did it scar you just doing that constantly? I, well, I mean, it helped pay for my wedding, so I'm cool with it. Okay, good. That's, that's <laughs> there was, the there matter. was a, you know, the end to the means, but like, yeah, I, I mean, ridiculousness. Well, you know, like, I love this. I love this conversation because you brought up something that was already on my mind. So it's so natural to go there. And I'm sure we'll kind of loop back around mm-hmm. to more recent times and what you're up to now. But I want to ask, what did you want to be when you were growing up? Well, I think I kind of mentioned it already. Like, you know, I, I had this baseball track where, like, I played baseball all the time. And that's, you know, what I wanted to be when I grew up would be a baseball player. Had to well, play for the Mets. Uh, you yeah, know, not realistic. Mm. You know, when you're eight nine, sure you think that it's realistic. It. You know, and I, and I, I, I was good. I was good. Okay. You know, as a baseball player, I'm not major league good. Maybe single A good, but not <laughs> not, yeah. not beyond yeah. that. I'm not delusional. Uh, but yeah, I, I like that's what I wanted to do. Uh, I wanted to be uh, on the radio. I wanted mm-hmm. to write for television. I, yeah. I, I, I didn't know exactly what that job was and that, that's you know kind of like even when i went to college it was like well i like this broadcast journalism thing because that'll take me towards sports broadcasting and you know i went to syracuse with you know bob costas went there and you know, mm-hmm. all, all the big names in, in in that field sean mcdonough and mike tarico and just hit my i knew mike tarico he was a senior when i was a freshman so like you know a lot of the you know goals were were, were targeted towards that i you know, I could have done news. I could have done, you know, sportscasting. I wanted to write for sitcoms. Yeah. Um, I worked on a sitcom in college and uh, we had like real professional people come in, like Alan Rafkin, director of coach, came in and watched it and enjoyed mm-hmm. it. And, you know, he, he loved one of the episodes that I, I co-wrote. So it was like, wow, maybe this is a thing. I even went out to California to try and do it. Uh, wow. I just realized about eight months in, I hate California. <laughs> I'm not a California person. So I came back to yeah. new york and that's when i found the mr met job but like i had no idea that i would end up where i am now even like it, as espn editor uh, and writer it kind of i wouldn't say it fell into my lap but it certainly yeah. i took an unorthodox path to get to where i am you know well yeah I, and i always think it's interesting to 
like I, I love to ask people like quote unquote what they wanted to be growing up. Some people have an idea, others don't. And it's it's um I don't know, it's just fascinating to kind of see what panned out, what didn't. Uh, sometimes uh, what the revisionist history might look like because uh, <laughs> sometimes people don't remember that clearly. I know that uh, I was actually asked by like a fourth grade class uh, last week presenting to them as part of a, a series of guests they're doing. They're like, what do you want to be growing up? And I was just like, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't think I wanted to be anything. And then I re- remembered. I was like, oh, yeah, I want to be a pro wrestler at one point. <laughs> um, actually, at a lot of points uh, growing up. But that's not it's funny because I have a wrestling championship like behind me. So I guess I'm pretty close. It, just like it worked out for you. It's almost worked out for me. I, I'm the champion. Um, there you go. But I, I, I'm curious, like, how did you grow up? What did that look like? You gave a little bit of that in the context of the Mets and Mr. Met. But like, I'm just curious to paint the picture of your story. Yeah. Well, growing up in the, in the seventies in New York city, Mm-hmm. It, it's a, it's an interesting time, especially because, okay, so, you know, part of the reason I think that I'm so introverted and, and kind of, I am you know, probably, probably a little bit on the spectrum too, you know, very, very mild self-diagnosed, mm-hmm. sure, but you know, whatever. Uh, a lot of that insular nature comes from the fact that, um, A, uh, had a mother who was in and out of mental institutions growing up. So that mm-hmm. certainly puts you in a weird family space. You're living in a small apartment in, in, in New York city, uh, have a younger brother, uh, but we don't get along mm-hmm. more often than not. So, you know, there's that. Uh, also I was like maybe eight years old when yeah. the summer Sam came around and you know, when you're, when you're that age, you don't understand the world and there's no one really around to explain the world to you. And so when every headline in every newspaper says mass murderer on the loose Ooh. and your last name is mass and you go to the phone book <sighs> and you count and you say there's seven people named mass in the phone book, you live in fear that it's just a matter of time before they get to you. Well, yeah. So they're, I mean, they're probably in your family if it's a mass murderer. <laughs> you, but, you know what I'm saying? It's like yeah. so like and there's no one around <laughs> to explain that. No, that that doesn't mean what, what you think it means. But yeah, so I had a messed up childhood. <laughs> yeah. Well oh my in gosh, terms but, of that. Um yeah. you know, but you know, you develop a sense of humor about it and and you know, luckily you don't get killed by David Berkowitz. So that helps. Um You made it. You're a survivor. I'm, I'm a survivor. But yeah, I mean, it's just, it was a weird, weird upbringing. It was also in a time, uh, the late 70s, early 80s, were a time when there wasn't a lot of uh, care towards children as a whole. Um, mm-hmm. I think we've gone too far the other way now. As a father, you know, I'm a father. Right. Uh, you know, you do not see kids going to the park by themselves mm-hmm. because they'll call child services because that's child abuse now. If you let your kid wander... <laughs> to the mm. park by themselves it's like what like we would yeah. I, mean, I was a latchkey kid i walked to school by myself in the morning because my, my my dad was already at work yeah i walk home i had the key all the kids in the neighborhood played outside went mm-hmm. to, you know ball field went all over the neighborhood in summertime especially just just wandered and roamed the countryside and unfortunately one or two of us did get abducted along the way but you know, oh my gosh part, yeah unfortunately like uh, one of the big uh one of the big uh, first 
child abductions I remember was from, you know, a girl a couple neighborhoods over. And so like that um, put the fear of God into our community. And then so we weren't allowed to roam as much. But yeah, you know, yeah it's just it's just a weird, weird upbringing because we didn't have the Internet to learn things. Yeah. And yes, you could learn the wrong things on the Internet. But at least, you know, you, know, you had to go to the library if it was open that day, if you wanted yeah. to read a book or research anything. And beyond that. There was nothing. There's no information out there. You had news on once a day. Mm-hmm. on one of the six channels that were on your television. Yeah. And the rest of the time, there was no, you know, Atari just started at that time, late 70s. But like, if you wanted to fill your day, you had to come up with stuff to do. And that's what, you know, so you got into trouble a lot because <laughs> there wasn't anything to occupy you. Well, I was going to say also, it's like a, yeah, there's a lot that... <sighs> I hate to like idealize anything or to like look back on anything with rose tinted glasses or anything like that. But like, you know, even um, when I grew up, cause I'm 30 now and um, I felt like I was exposed to like a little tiny taste of a childhood that wasn't internet centric or where I didn't right. really interact with that or where we would roam around the neighborhoods. And, you know, I'm sure that it's happened in waves where there's the, like the stranger danger panic, but um, 9-11 happened. I think I was, uh, I guess I was about 10 or so. Hmm. And it's like, then things clamped, especially being in like that North Jersey area where like sure. literally yeah. in my town, you could look and you could see, you know, every, you could see the skyline and everything. Like it's it, uh, that shift happened, but I think there is something beautiful to like having to get creative and to, actually being outside and not in front of screens and um yeah but it's a different it's a different time um and i you know before i kind of miss it you know you're kind of talking about how like who you are was shaped by so many different pieces of what was going on <laughs> that's very like yeah. of the time i like the description of the 70s i think for me in my head i picture there's a lot that i picture for the 70s but for you i picture like a little uh maybe like a nice like a uh, a nice bicycle with like some maybe some ribbons on the end end of it uh and maybe some like huge glasses like you probably had big glasses at the time uh i actually never wore glasses until a few <laughs> years ago yeah no i had, I had like 2013 vision i had really good vision it helped with baseball actually i'm, I'm just brady i'm brady bunching i'm brady, brady bunching is, is yeah. like what no never <laughs> learned how to ride a bicycle um yeah. i had a bicycle when i was around nine but uh, Deborah Krasnopol's brother Stephen stole it and rode it around the block and and broke it, and so I just never learned and never never got a new bike. Name names, I love. <laughs> oh, that. I name names. The only reason I named names because like Deborah <laughs> Krasnopol was this was this girl who lived down the street. She moved away like that, like fourth grade ish yeah. time. Uh, and the kids, the she was my first kiss. Because Ooh. the kids, well, the kids—it's nothing Wait, romantic about hold on, it. Hold on, let me before you continue. Yeah. Let me do the. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely nothing romantic about it. It's just the kids <laughs> wanted liked to like to play uh, where I was Fonzie and she, she was Pinky uh-huh. Tuscadero, and they made uh-huh. us kiss. And so, like, like the, they'd have us perform the episodes because uh-huh. there were no reruns back then. You know, you, yeah. the, the episode aired and then it maybe aired again 13 weeks later, but you couldn't just go on YouTube and watch it or, or record because there were no VCRs right. yet. No. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so we would have to reenact the episodes. Yeah. She moved away and actually years later with Facebook, found her on Facebook uh, and 
friended her. Uh, and she actually ended up marrying somebody who went to grade school with my wife. Huh. Oh, which was just uh, just uh, high school with my wife. Yeah, it was just it was a weird. So like I, I saw her picture in my wife's feet. I'm like, well, how do you know Deborah? She's like, well, she's married to Glenn, like who I went to high school with. So it was like it was just a weird, bizarre. Kawinky dink. Oh, my gosh. This is, there's, a, there's a lot happening here. There's a lot a lot of threads. And I think like maybe it, I, I appreciate the level <laughs> of detail that we're diving into here, because I think that, you know, one thing I appreciate and I actually I'm going back to the episode with Kevin Jacobs thinking about this. We we're talking a lot about reading between the lines mm-hmm. and how sometimes we like really simplify people and their experiences and you know, we or even with ourselves, like it's easy to have a nice, tidy narrative about how you grew up and to put a bow on that. But there's a there are a lot of threads within that. And so one of the threads that I want to pull on, though, you mentioned you briefly mentioned your mom and like her mm-hmm. being in and out of institutions. But like, I would have to think that that is something that would affect you or be something that was like a I don't know, a a, a significant piece of or something that. I don't want to say, I wouldn't even say just a significant piece of like your childhood, but also like something that, uh, yeah, like kids don't really, kids often don't experience or, you know, there's like a childhood innocence there that, you know, the, the bikes and, and the kisses and everything else yeah. tie into, but I'm curious about that aspect of, of things because obviously it's worth noting but i i would imagine it's like uh yeah i want to just go there Uh, it's uh you know the thing is when you're a kid and you're experiencing that it's normal Mm -hmm. because you don't know any other childhood like that that that, that's your truth that's your reality so aren't all parents you know doesn't everybody have a mom who's uh you know not there mentally like you would assume like that this is just normal so uh, yeah and i mean you you know once you get a little bit older and you get into your teen years you realize oh wait a second this is not normal uh Mm -hmm. but yeah i mean obviously it had impacts on me in ways that therapy still continues to (laughs) to suss out but uh you know it, it it certainly makes you approach relationships differently and again makes you very introverted because you know especially in the seventies, that's not something you talk about. That's not something you share. In fact, that's something you hide. And therefore you get used to not inviting kids to your house to play after school, especially not if mom is home. That's just not something you want to approach. And, you know, then you know, that other in retrospect, you know, that other parents knew about it and probably told their kids not to play with you because Mm. they didn't want, you know, their kids exposed to, to my mom so you know there's yeah yeah I, you could go down rabbit holes and get lost in that if you want and and you know you have to yeah. avoid doing that but um yeah my, my mom was violent towards my father uh mm. one of my earliest memories is waking up uh and having the police in the, in the apartment basically wow. taking her away because she hit him over mm. the head with a lamp yeah. uh and i still have nightmares to this day with wolves in them and i i mean i know it's because the cop who i first encountered way back when and i barely remember the incident but yeah. he had a beard and in my mm-hmm. mind that made him a wolf in my wow. so i know that that's that's a recurring theme because of that incident like it just it just is um you know it it, it certainly had an impact but again 
there's no way to change it. And there's no way to know what my personality would have been had I had a normal, uh, you know, yeah. family life. So not that anyone's is normal. We all know that. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's not threatening. But, you know, the, just even a, a, a two parents who are both not threatening to, you know, violence on, on each other. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. Or, or anything like that. Uh, you know, so it, it is what it is. Um, but, you know, in many ways, it made me stronger because, you know, I can endure like hardships and understanding that uh, I think empathy also, because, you know, I could see that within my mother's bipolar, manic, depressive, schizophrenic mm. personality, like yeah. she was also a victim in this entrapped, even if later on, you know, one of the personalities that emerged from her was one I just wouldn't interact with because it was, you know, not a nice person. So, yeah. Yeah. So it, it, yeah. It, it's weird. It, it certainly is weird. I mean, is it, I guess, kind of the big question? Cause like, I think that, uh, I mean, the weird aspect of it and, and thanks for sharing all of that. Like the thing that's weird to me is the aspect that like, we don't, talk about mental health and there's a stigma and like people are just because you are not um you maybe think about this when um you know a handful of minutes ago you mentioned like you know like maybe i'm somewhere on the spectrum but haven't been diagnosed it's like there's so much that like we don't have diagnosed <laughs> yeah. about ourselves and it's this is a this has been something that's like gone through my mind um so many times mm -hmm. where it's like well, one, a diagnosis is really powerful, I think, for people in, in, in different ways. Um, and sometimes, actually, I guess it could be, you know, positive to know what's going on. Uh, I would um, I, that's generally where I would land. But also, I, I, I have seen the other side with people in terms of mental health diagnoses where, you know, that's also been something that's like driven them into a spiral as well, mm -hmm. I think. And, yeah. I, and Mike Bloom talked about this a lot on, on his episode of Pod Friends, too. And I'll always say like it's you know good to get help or like to see what's going on in your brain or with you but you know it's um yeah it's interesting because like the weird part is just that like we don't talk about these things and we don't know how many people experience these things like I, i'm thinking of like a variety of issues where the difference maker just became how much we acknowledge them how much we recognize them seeing like oh well I thought this was weird, but actually we have a lot more in common than, than we did. Right. Like I, I won't, you know, like there's so many people I could think of like family and otherwise I'm like, I don't know if they, if that, if they were just being an a-hole or if it was like actually, uh, you know, something that they were facing. And I think that that's kind of one of the things that's, that's, uh, challenging and even if there's like a follow-up question to that, but just like reflecting on what you said, it's yeah, really, well, uh, yeah. I, th I think it is. <sighs> It, it, a lot of it goes goes back to times were different back then. They were, they <laughs> uh, you were. know. It's just I I think my situation today would be handled a lot different by everybody. Mm -hmm. You know, just because, especially today, when there's while it may not be uh, a situation where everyone's just like, hey, you know, how are you? And let's discuss mental wellness. Uh, yeah, it's certainly something that does get discussed about. Uh, you know, it's certainly a lot more therapy is certainly a lot more accepted in society. Mm -hmm. Not, you know, not ideally where, you know, there are still some people who are, you know, like, oh, that's not for me. I would never, like, but 
yeah more more it's it's more of a normal uh mainstream thing uh and mental health in general is treated a lot differently now than it was yeah 10 years ago it was especially like 45 years ago <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah it's just, it's it's just, it's just very <laughs> different the perception of things i mean as as most things are i mean you know things that were hidden in the 70s mental illness absolutely mm-hmm. you know you know you, you don't talk about religion you don't talk about politics you don't talk about you know you know he he's he's got a friend you know yeah you can't talk right. about homosexuality oh my goodness yeah. like that, that these, these, and now it's you know have we reached have we reached the Better. perfect yeah have we reached perfection where we're no clearly no. not just look no. at congress but uh, yeah you know, yeah it, it's better right i think we've regressed in the past few years but it's well yeah there's like so, yeah better. there's like and i think it's always like how do we um yeah. yeah especially like with the changes in i guess there's so many different changes socially but like we still have people who have uh you know who grew up with the or I was going to say who grew up with the parents who are kind of, kind of like what you're talking about with the stigma or who like literally were that generation of people also who are that generation of people also. And I think, um, yeah, it's just fascinating to think about because I um like my, my parents, my dad passed away in 2017 uh, as context, but like my parents were both like my mom is in, in her mid seventies. Right. So like of that generation, that's probably similar to your parents with a lot of that. And I think that something that's been really fascinating to me is really just trying to having this like massive gap in age generationally. I, I don't know the last, I don't know if I've said this on pod friends, but I, I uh, mentioned this to someone recently who really appreciated, like I told them, I was like my mom and you know, she would not, she would not care that I'm saying how old she was but she was like 45 when she had me so like yeah. you just to put into perspective like the differences in how you see the world it's so vast but i think um there's a lot of work for all of us to do to like figure out like rather than just adopting what we kind of have from our parents or repeating the cycle how do we um you know take the things that are good and leave behind or turn the tide on the things that weren't as good and i yeah, I think that's like a it needs to be an intentional process or else you kind of just like could fall into those same patterns because we're human. That's how we we work. So yeah. work. And a lot of that is exposure to just yeah. more people. I think that's yeah. again, that, that that's where the Internet has been a very positive thing, uh, enabling you to have conversations with people you never would have met otherwise and to you know, see things that you never would have seen otherwise. And, you know, uh, you could live a very sheltered life in the, in the yeah. 70s where, you know, like I said, you know, if it didn't come into your house from your parents. You didn't get to read it. If, you know, like I said, six channels on television, you couldn't. Everyone watched yeah. the same shows. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. That, that, that was it. Like you didn't have these niche programs that, that like, if you want to watch that channel of, of, of nature documentaries all the time. Now you can. Back then it was like, yeah, well, we've got happy days on at eight o'clock. <laughs> And that's and what you're gonna get. That, you know, that's what you're gonna get, or else you're gonna figure out yeah. something else to do with that time. No, no, you're um, absolutely right. It's, it's. I mean, it, it is generational. I think. I think it accelerates. You know, I was watching my son, who's who's a senior in high school now, and how mm-hmm. his he and his friends interact and don't stand for a lot of the nonsense, even that my generation did when mm-hmm. I was in high school. I can count on one hand the number of kids who were out. Yeah, yeah, and you know. I, there were absolutely more 
Uh-huh. More people who are gay and lesbian who just it wasn't a thing to come out back then. Yeah. To the same level it is now. And now it's much more comfortable for people. You know, now 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 you get you get the parents who are, are just close minded from our generation who are like uh, dead name. I don't care. I named you. I'm naming. I'm calling. Yeah. You like, yeah. Okay. But. Yeah, it's like, it, yeah, there's a, there's an evolution that's yeah. like that's needed there, too. And I think that, you know, something that's um, well, like that's, that's really fascinating to me about you, which ties in with like a whole other thing we haven't talked about is that like, obviously, like how we grow up, like I um, I was just thinking the other day casually because <laughs> I, I do this. I think about, you know, I'm like, oh, like, how did I become like the person I am someone who's like really curious about people someone who um kind of you know like probably similar to you happy to sure happy to be on the mic on the podcast but literally as I'm saying this I'm like cringing away from it at times or you know (laughs) there's just like that um uh, maybe that introversion and and some other element some other things like that but um something that's really fascinating to me and i'm i'm like trying to connect the dots here and maybe the dots don't actually connect but i think it's interesting you know you are someone at least in this rob as a podcast community who in part among many other things has been become or really been known for you know your focus on archetypes and i know um like that's something that you know, through, uh, was it your first, yeah, through your first book, um, that you kind of focused on, but I, I'm almost, I'm curious, like, do you, do you find that interest or categorization or whatever you'd call it in what categories people fit in? Do you, do you, like, I don't know. I'm curious if you see a connection between that and how you grew up is the short way of asking that rambling question. Interesting. I, you know, I, I think, I mean, not specifically in the way that I, I don't think, you know, you, you take your family and map them out to the 12 archetypes or anything like that. Right. <laughs> it's not that simple. But I do, and I do think that, you know, as I always used to say with the archetypes, that situational mm-hmm. mapping is what happens. Like some people, look, if someone's a narcissist. Yeah. They're they're probably a narcissist one hundred percent of the time <laughs> when it comes that, that's just there. There's me, 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 me. Selfish people like that. That 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 tends to be what they are. But I do think more more often than not, most of us fill different roles of the twelve archetypes depending on what mm-hmm. groups we're in. And it, it's yeah, it's not just twelve, but it's just an easy way to, to map them into these boxes. Uh, twelve is just a number. Uh, you know, just just as I don't believe in astrology at all uh, because you can't take. 10,000 people born in a month and say, well, they're all this personality. Like, no, that's silly. Um, so yeah, any, any mapping into like, everyone fits in these boxes. That's not the case. You know, we all move from situation to situation in some places you may be the cheerleader yeah. in one group and you may be, mm-hmm. you know, the old reliable in another group. Like we take on the roles. And I think these are the roles that each working group should strive to have because it, it you know, fills all the boxes and every angle is covered and therefore you know you have the best chance of success that that's where the archetypes yeah. comes from and yes i was mapping it onto fantasy uh sports owners in a league yeah. when i first came up with it i saw how easily it would apply to reality television uh and you know it's been fun doing that uh, i but i do think these that these different personalities exist in the world uh and so 
do I, I, I probably tend to notice these personality traits in people, but it, you know, it's, 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 it's a vague, you know, form. I, I don't like judge people by <laughs> like that yeah. other than yeah. narcissists because, you know, or just, Fair you know, the, the plain stupid people who you know refuse to, to, you know, listen to anything, yeah. you know, like that kind of thing. I, you know, I think more, more importantly though, is I think uh-huh. for me, it's something you had said earlier, you know, mm-hmm. uh, triggered this memory here, but like uh, a lot of, I get along with a lot of different groups. And I was, I was a person who moved from, from, you know, I didn't have like, you know, my clique of people yeah. in high school. I was, I was welcoming and, you know, I, I was a floater. <laughs> right. Yeah. Floaters get your life ass. But, you know, I moved, from, <laughs> I moved from group, group to group and, and I was able to like fulfill these roles that they yeah. needed. So, you know, maybe it was working and percolating back there that, that, that I think about it. But I think one of the, one of the things that I, I find more interesting you know, how do I say this? It's so I'm a white guy uh, and, you know, you are, believe it or not. Yeah. You can say hi, hi on video. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah. And yes, you know, I, I recognize that, that that is also a part of the impact of how society sees me and how I, I move through the world. You know, and, yeah. and there, there's a privilege that's attached to that um, because my mother was not around. Right. However, uh, I was essentially raised by a black woman uh-huh. because she was the caretaker my father hired to take care of me when I was very young. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, a lot of people, you know, sure sign of racism was when someone pulls out the I don't see color card. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah. Well, yeah. A, lot of white, a lot of white people don't understand that. No. Okay, see, I see color, certainly. Mm-hmm. I just don't care. And a lot of that comes from the fact that a black woman raised me. And I'm very mm-hmm. comfortable because uh, part of my upbringing was this black culture that she brought to my house uh, and my comfort as a, this white kid who was in a completely white community in a community for, mm-hmm. for a, a short, you know, for elementary school until the other kids got, you know, put into the school. Uh, like I'm very comfortable around black people and black culture. And I think that comfort turns itself into me being comfortable <laughs> hanging out in high school with, with, you know, a whole large group of black students, two of whom very comically thought I was passing because I was <sighs> like, you're, you're too comfortable. Tell me the truth. You're black and you're passing. Well, that's right. Sad. And it's like, and I take it as a compliment. Well, it's sad that where that comes well, from, yeah. but it makes sense, but it's sad because yeah. it's like the it implication it, but, that you were that, you know, uh, you weren't horrible because <laughs> right. you must be like within this this group. And I think like just to kind of, um, you know, to respond to what you're saying or validate a piece of it, like I think definitely, obviously, there's nothing like and I'm sure you, you would say, this, but there's like nothing like being a black person, being in the community. But like also something that I'm appreciating with what you're saying is like how separate so many white people are from mm-hmm. black people where yeah. I don't even know the statistic or the number or if it's like 80% or something eight more than that but it's like 
some massive percent of white people in the U.S. do not have a black friend. And then like if you go beyond like one or two, like then and and honestly, you know, the percent's actually probably higher because a lot of those black people probably aren't their friends. Right. Um, and it right. might be someone that, that like works for them or whatever it might be. But I think like my point being that, um, you know, because of that distance, like just having that influence does actually make a big difference like you know we see sometimes how much uh spaces or how much like a space or like the energy in a room could shift when you do have that discomfort um on a one occasion but then when you have that exposure again and again and again like it does actually make a make a difference it's not everything but it that's your point like it makes a difference yeah i think so and i think that's what's so great about you know, living in a community like my community here is, which I brace my son in. We are one of the two red areas of New Jersey. Uh, that's not that's not oh, New positive Jersey. at all. Yeah. However, however, in terms of the people that my son goes to school with, it is incredibly ethnically diverse, and there's so much exposure. Mm -hmm. um, these kids have grown up together, and you know, I see far less racism. Uh, going on and, and the judgment based on, on, on that going on in my, in my son's generation. And I think that's terrific. Well, you know, uh, I mean, again, you know, it, it's a yeah. good thing. Yeah. That's one of the things I appreciate about uh, where I grew up in New Jersey in particular. And it's funny because I didn't really give a lot of credit to this for a long time until I started talking with other people who grew up there or grew up with me or um, just others who've, had that experience with because like, there's an insanely diverse community like i when i was growing up you know where i grew up you know it was you know there was the soccer team and you had people of all sorts of backgrounds like yeah. i remember specifically um you know having just like a lot of i went to was not raised catholic went to catholic school growing up which is like a very common thing i found for people where the kids are like oh just put you just go, go, go learn with the Catholics. Um, <laughs> but like, it was interesting. Cause like there's, there's that. Um, but then also like, I found like my, my soccer team in town and like our family friends, like we went to Seder's and like, we were, we went to like, you know, bar mitzvahs and bat mitzvahs and like had like Jewish people on our soccer teams. And then you had like all of these other like religious and ethnic identities built in. And I feel like New Jersey, I know New Jersey uh doesn't get the credit that it deserves in a lot of ways but like honestly i'm just glad i didn't grow up in insert uh insert other state or part <laughs> of the country yeah. possibly in the midwest or somewhere like that here just because it, it's like yeah it does go a long way just to be around people and see that people are people you know or and you know like our identities matter but like to actually recognize that someone is not a white person someone who's not a white person is still a person is like yeah, yeah. unfortunately that is a big leap for a lot of people so it, it is and there's a certain large portion of my community where that is still a leap that needs to be done from you know that's the, the, the yeah. battle i fight i fight daily <laughs> yeah keep no fight fight harder keep fighting do keep going do it do it. Yes. It. No, you know, it's like, it's, it's little things. Like I, I, I became a poll worker recently a few years ago, just to mm. make sure that I was at the polls <laughs> instead of some of these other people, you know, yeah. <laughs> so, there's a lot. Yeah. There's yeah. a lot, there's a lot there. And it's, it's, it's important work and it's, uh, 
yeah, I think it's like, it, it's interesting kind of thinking of where the, uh, where, well, I, I, don't, I won't even call it a question, but where we started out like talking about archetypes a little bit and then kind of like who people are and how you're seen and perceived versus who you are um, yeah. and all these other dynamics within that. Um, but, you know, one and and I, I always love I always love diving into and like talking about like these issues of identity, because I think that they're really um, they're, they're really important. Identity is a huge part of like who we are, how we show up, how we're perceived. Um, yeah. So there's a lot there's a lot there. I don't know if there's a if there are other thoughts you had on on this uh, just, piece just, of things. Yeah, I think identity I think you connected the dots. Identity. There you go. Uh, Mr. Met, dual identity. Yeah. It, it all comes back to identity, doesn't it? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, uh, I think, I think trying to put yourself in the situation of the other person is not an easy skill for people to, to become expert at, or even most people don't even try to attempt it, which is the problem. But I think if you do, develop your empathy and develop your ability to see things from the other person's point of view. And some of that, some of that from my early days came from, you know, I love also one of the other things I thought I might be someday as a lawyer, because I was very much into this kind of like, you know, mm -hmm. argue from every angle of the argument and take both sides of the argument and you know, try to win from both <laughs> that. So, you know, I think being able to see things from the other person's point of view is very, would be very helpful in that real job yeah. as well. <laughs> <laughs> or is it a yeah uh, oh, no. <laughs> yeah but you know also back. i think identity identity is very very uh self-defined and that yeah. again it brings us back to the, you know, the big topics of the day is identity and who are you and and are you able to determine your own identity uh i think you know I, i'm the furthest person to ever argue i don't personally again as a white cis male like i don't I don't understand what would be going on in some person's mind who is transgender because I just can't, mm -hmm. I'm not transgender. So I don't yeah. have that ability. My brain isn't wired to understand what, what that means uh, and to, to go through that experience. However, mm -hmm. AJ is not my name. It's mm -hmm. not my birth name. It's a name I chose for myself in college um, because I was not happy with who I was as a person. And I redefined myself and I, gave myself a new name. So do I understand the whole process of choosing your own name and choosing your own identity and, and, you know, not wanting to be dead named and all that, you know, we didn't call it dead naming at the time, but no. yeah, I understand 100% this, you know, new trendy thing to do. It, it's not a new trendy thing to do, you know, it's, yeah. it's, 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 it's about identity. And I, 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 I try very hard to relearn language and, and things mm -hmm. like that. And, but I'm always going to say, whatever, whatever you say is fine with me. <laughs> yeah. And if what you, what do you want to be called? What's your name? Cool. That's what I'm going yeah. to use. I've had, I've had many friends who, who've changed their names and, yeah. you know, sure. Accidentally at first, if you've known someone for a long time, you might use the wrong name, but you know, I'll, you know, they understand it's not, there's nothing malicious about it. It's just habit at that point. But yeah. Um, for people who aren't even going to make the effort or for people who are, are, are going to deliberately not do it as a, as a way of, well, no, 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 I don't believe you like that. That's where I, I just, 
yeah. battles. The battle still needs to be fought. Well, yeah. And I mean, I yeah. think that there's a there's a lot there. But one thing I want to ask on this note, like one one thing I, um, you know, want to acknowledge and appreciate to the right level, which I think is definitely um, definitely a line is like it's important, but it should be commonplace for you know, cisgender white men to have conversations about identity, just like it should be for everyone for us to be able to acknowledge and talk should about be. these things is really important. Is there any, you know, uh, this is, this is a big question, but as I kind of look to like, uh, to, uh, kind of, there's, there's so much more that I kind of want to get to, yeah, but I want to yeah. ask, like, is there anything where you're like, I, still want to grow into xyz or i still want i mean i'm sure that it sounds like you acknowledge it's always a journey but it's like yeah is there anything in your mind where like i wish that our world was better at helping us understand xyz thing so that i could be better in xyz ways oh i mean uh it's almost like if you had the answer to the question, would you need the answer to the question? You know? But sometimes that's like the point <laughs> yeah. of the question, you know? Yeah, no, I know. I, you know, I just think that, like, look, I know I'm not perfect. Mm. And, you know, I, you know, maybe some people out there were like, well, AJ's only saying this stuff so he can get credit for like how, how, how woke he is. Sure. You know? Yeah. My, my there are definitely people that, like that. But my, my, my point is, is that I, I know that these conversations are not being had by a lot of you know, people. And so when you said, you know, it should be commonplace for, you know, white cis males to discuss this. Well, they're not. Yeah. And and, and a lot of it is for fear of like, if I say the wrong thing about the the topic or, you know, yeah. And will I be canceled or, you know, you know, vilified or anything like that. And my my point is I'm happy to talk about it. And in fact, I probably initiated it (laughs) a little Uh, bit, but it's because I (laughs) no, but I think it's important for for to see people like me talking about this so that the people who are afraid of talking about this or even broaching the conversations yeah we'll have the conversations because you know otherwise what's what's the point we're going to just hide in our houses and and you know not associate with those people or or you know Mm -hmm. even look i have i have friends who just don't get it and never will get it of course and sometimes it is easier just not to bring up the conversations, but I mean, I'll call them on their bullshit every time mm-hmm. I hear it, you know, mm-hmm. sometimes to the discomfort of everyone else in the room. And then I know, all right, I've got too far, but you know, I'll poke the bear. Um, yeah, well, I think that, well, that, yeah, you know, so, you know, but I, I, I am very comforted. Like I said, again, like my son, my son and his generation and his group of friends, like, you know, he'll call me on stuff. I, I don't have a specific example, but I know I'll say something sometimes and he'll be like, that, you know, that, well, that's not very good. Um, Look. But I listen. I think that's the important thing because I know Shout my father. Shout out to your son. My, yeah, yeah. And my father never listened to me when I did it. So <laughs> I yeah. made a point because, you know, my father was still of a generation yeah. and, you know, uh, he was a generation, you know, you'd ask him what, what what are we watching on TV tonight? And instead of saying the basketball game, he'd, he'd say, oh yeah, I'm watching a, a battle of uh, whose Schwarzes are bigger. Like, uh, oh yeah, which team is the biggest black people? Is the, that's the translation of that from the Yiddish. Wow, like, yeah. Okay, and he didn't mean anything by it, but it doesn't make it right. No, yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I'd scold him for that all the time. And, you know, uh-huh. he, he, he never thought anything was wrong with it. And of course, you know, 
yeah, yeah different generation, but like you don't you don't stop fighting. <laughs> yeah, and it's like and and it's important to not stop learning and growing too yeah. in those ways. And I think that you know something I think is um, I I think that like these conversations are really important. And I think you know my work really centers and and actually like all of the platforms that I have, including pod friends and Rob is a podcast and the like, you know, I'm always just very mindful of like whose voices are heard. And, um, you know, pod friends is its own, it is really it's interesting thing, sure. because it's, it's drawing from like, uh, a community that like actually really prior to like the wave of podcasters, uh, myself included of the class of 2020, like, very white community um, and a community that, you know, I mean, I and so many of the rest of us kind of um, tune into, like I started listening in 2017 okay. to yeah. RHAP consistently. And, um, you know, it's just like, you know, we always have to be mindful of these things, but I think where I kind of wanted to uh, awkwardly aggressively pivot because it's, it's like on my things to talk about is like thinking of people's stories, you are an accomplished published author published yes accomplished we'll see uh, i don't know uh, if i go you that are <laughs> someone who okay let me rephrase that <laughs> rewind you are someone who has accomplished publishing there we go author stuff yeah um that's so much more well phrased and so i but i am i'm um i'm fascinated by this and i i kind of wanted to pick your brain about this because um a lot of us like uh one struggle to find our voice or to put our words out there or to share our stories in different ways. Um, as you've done a couple of times in very notable ways. Um, and I think that, um, yeah, I'm kind of curious about that process specifically, like how did it come about, um, with, well, really thinking of like both of your books, how did it come about, um, that, you would actually publish it. Did you pursue that? Did anyone come to you? This is this is this is why I I want to know. Yeah, about. yeah. So, yeah, I after all of the, uh, it was only four years, but it seems longer. It's <laughs> Mister Matt. Um, wow. I just had a lot of stories, and obviously, uh, it's a unique experience. Very few people. You know, we're a very close community. Uh, you know this. 30 major league baseball teams and only at the time, only like 24 teams had mascots and several had just started it. So the number of people who had done the job that I had done is probably you know, 50 at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, so very few people knew what it was like. And, you know, whenever I talked to people, they always wanted to talk about it and they always wanted to hear the story. So I was like, you know, there's, there's probably a book here. Um, yeah. And so, so I did, I did, personally want to write a book that is something I want to do and this seems to be the obvious thing to write about uh so I met uh I met a book agent just happened happenstance I was at uh I was invited to a premiere for the movie Fantasyland which was a documentary about uh a fantasy baseball league mm. uh and there I met a book agent uh, and so I was talking to her about the my idea for a book, and she said, "That sounds fantastic. I would love yeah. to represent you." However, I'm going on maternity leave, so I can't right now. Okay. I'm not taking on any clients. But here's the name of a guy who mm-hmm. I think would be perfect. And so I, I his name was Judd Loggy, and uh, we clicked. He was he's a Mets fan, and he you know he 
knew, quote unquote, who I was, but you know, you knew about Mr. Matt and everything. So we pitched that book probably for three years and mm-hmm. could not get any takers. Nobody understood uh, what this book, why, why, why would I want to read about that? Even be, and it was so frustrating because you'd have people like where he, he talked to like, you know, Simon Schuster and like this, the, the woman yeah. who, who buys books there. And she's like, oh, you, you want to talk about that mascot? I'm like, funny. I was just at this party the other day where, where Benny the Bull, the mascot for the Bulls, was there. And everyone went nuts. And I found out about him. He was fantastic. And I saw all the excitement uh, about it. But I don't know who'd be interested in reading this book. You know, and you, you, you'd be banging your head yeah. against the wall like, what the heck? Um, so we just couldn't sell the book. And so the good thing about writing nonfiction is that you don't have to have a completed book before you sell it. Yeah. You only have to write a sample chapter and uh-huh. have like an outline. So I didn't, yeah. I hadn't spent the time to write the book, which is good. Um, but he was like, look, I think you're a talented writer. Maybe let's leverage the fact you work for ESPN and write something about fantasy sports. Mm. And then, you know, once, you know, if, if that book does well, then maybe we can, you know, build upon that, or, you know, write, write the book you really want to write, which is the master yeah. of history. Um, and so we kind of pitched this, how fantasy sports explains the world this kind of fantasy sports meets Freakonomics kind of mm-hmm. thing. Uh, and really what I was pitching it as is an excuse for me to interview a whole bunch of people that I wanted to interview and like kind of yeah. shoehorn it into stories about fantasy sports. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what the book became. Oh, imagine that. Oh, oh there's a, there's a copy of the book. Who would have guessed it? Who guessed How it? fantasy sports explains the world. What Pools and Peyton can teach us about Wookiees and Wall Street by AJ Mass. Is that the book? That is the book. I mean, amazing to that. Uh, yeah, that's the only preparation I did. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you put a copy of the book next to yeah. you. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So, uh, that, that, that book, we were able to pitch the idea. And luckily, this, this really small publishing house, Skyhorse Publishing, uh, decided to take a chance on it. Uh, and it was great for me because I got to then interview a whole bunch of people that I wanted to interview, mm-hmm. um, including, uh, yeah, I, I had, I had this idea of each chapter would relate to an interview of someone mm-hmm. who related to the topic somehow. So I have, yeah. uh, a chapter about bad trades and I interviewed yeah. Yao man. Oh no. About his bad trade with dreams. Yeah. 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 But, uh, it's so sad. So sad. No, but, but, shout out to Yao Man in Dreams. Yeah, but and it was and it was, um, it was a wonderful interview. And Yao Man was great. And you know, it's like I never again wouldn't have had the bravery to, to approach him for an interview well, before, yeah. before that. But, but I got this book to write. And I got to you know, I got to interview uh Janus Benson, who was a writer for for Buffy the Vampire Slayer, mm. one of my favorite shows, and uh Steve Ward, who was uh hosting that v, a VH1 dating show at the time. Hmm. And just you know, Neil deGrasse Tyson, I got to do for this oh, wow. book. Yeah. It was just, it was it was just a really cool experience, and I incorporated it all into into that first book. It did not make me wealthy. <laughs> <laughs> it barely made any money because the the, the, yeah. the dirty the dirty trick about uh, the dirty secret about the publication is right. that you don't get a lot of money unless you're a New York Times bestseller, and you only do that by you know being a politician who gets paid fifteen million dollars to write the book in the first place. Yeah, um, most books lose money. Uh, this was no exception. Uh, so I still have not earned back the advance that they gave me, the very small advance that they gave me. 
uh-huh. in terms of sales. But it did well enough for a small publication that I was finally able to book the, write the book that I did want to write all, all, all along, which is... What? Is that? Yes, it's hot in here. Adventures of the Weird Wooly World of Sports Mascots by AJ Mass? Why, yes. Yes, it is. Funny you should ask. Uh, and, you know, that's, and that's the book that I really wanted to write, which is the, <laughs> the history of mascots from, from the Renaissance era yeah. all the way up to today. Uh, I, that's it. You know, I knew all the people. These these are my colleagues at this point. The people who are yeah. interviewing. You know, all the people from from Dave Raymond, who was the original Philly fanatic, to uh, Glenn Street, who was one of the first hockey mascots in Calgary. It's Harvey the Hound. Dan Mears, who's Casey Wolf. Like I, I got to really dive deep into mm-hmm. all things mascot, and that's the book that I really wanted to write. Uh, it also is it. You know, it's. It's a memoir as well. It's you know, it's about my life. It's about how I became a mascot. So it's you know, half half no, a third mascot history, a third memoir, and a third really diving into uh, what's wrong between uh, management and and players and, and and mascots and how we're treated and, and and you know, just general things about society. Kind of like what we started talking about, but the mascot being you know, the 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 split personality kind of thing so it, it's yeah. everything all in one um and yeah that's the book yeah. i really want to write again did not make a lot of money uh, yeah <laughs> did not well, i mean but that's not your fault it's like no, I, 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 I it's a reflection to me because it, it's like a similar thing with pod friends and the conversations that we have here and you know there'll be some where people and you know i i don't resent this at all i just want this to change about our world where it's like not just caring about the people we already know like i've always been so much more interested in the things that i don't know and that like because and i think if more people were curious to understand mascots the copies would be selling like hotcakes aj <laughs> well and, and i don't say i don't say they didn't make a lot of money because i'm upset it didn't make a lot of money because that's not mm. why i wrote the book Right. Uh, I wrote the book because I wanted you know my son to be able to read it someday. That was really the reason yeah. <laughs> I wrote the book. Yeah. Um, but it's just because I think a lot of people believe that books that they've heard of necessarily make their authors wealthy, and it's a very small number of people who actually get a lot of money yeah. from from these books. The other thing that is my frustration in in the fact that yes, it's hot here didn't do better is because the news of the main the the first chapter story, which is about me uh, as Mr. Met being threatened by Secret Service, mm-hmm. uh, that story somehow was leaked to the media, or the media, someone got a hold of it, and it was front page of the New York Post and the Daily News, and like I did, I, you know, it was national news for like I, I got woken up at home. I don't know how the how the person got my number, but someone from Radio Station New York called me at five thirty in the morning because he wanted to be on the Wacky Z eighty nine. I don't know what, what the yeah. station was, but like because dude, you're the front page of New York, you know, all the New York papers today. Like we we got to get you on. I was like, well, like, what? But my frustration is that should have been such great publicity for the book, and the the publisher. Yeah. wasn't prepared yet, and so it would still be another six weeks before they'd even have an ability to pre-order. And that yeah. was what's so frustrating is that the media preceded our readiness and we lost the chance to be a bestseller because of that. That's yeah. what's frustrating. Look, Just because we've been it, fun to get the story out more. I mean, the story's out there. Um, yeah. I'm still, thankfully, if not the first person that anyone calls when there's a mascot story, 
to get a, a, a comment or a statement. I'm, I'm number two behind mm-hmm. uh, Dave Raymond, the original Philly fanatic, and absolutely mm-hmm. should be because he's he's the godfather. Love Dave. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so like yeah, yeah. I'm still like considered the foremost, one of the foremost mascot experts today. Right. And so that that's cool. That's cool. Because I know whenever I see yes. someone on TV where a mascot is, does something that's getting him in trouble, I'm like, oh, phone's going to start ringing tomorrow. Um, yeah i mean that's and that's pretty awesome and i think yeah Yeah. there's like and i appreciate you kind of breaking down the process so like one question i have for you is it sounds like you were you connected with your book agent then you developed that sample chapter in the outline and then you and that's what a book agent is for is knowing Mm -hmm. how to put a you have to put together a proposal and you have to do all the work yourself i mean your agent's going to help you and steer you but they're not going to write it for you but you know you have to have a good idea you have to have Mm -hmm. a chapter outline you have to have sample chapter, maybe two yeah. chapters if you're unknown. Um, at least I was yeah. a, write, a sports writer, so I didn't have to do two chapters But because mm-hmm. um, there was a sample of my work out there. Uh, and you know, then there's the business end of it. You have to get comp titles and what expected sales. And that's where your agent will be able to help you with that sort of thing. And then your agent does the pitching for you, uh, yeah. although you also have to be able to discuss it you know you get, let's get the author on the on the on the, on the call and then let's discuss this you know you have to be able to do that as well it's so much harder for fiction because mm. fiction you yeah. have to have the completed book mm-hmm. they mm-hmm. do not do spec chapter and again unless you're you know stephen king doesn't have to do anything he says i'm going to write two yeah. more books like cool here's oh, yeah. a million dollars but you know johnny two shoes off the street uh <laughs> with a pencil in his pocket yeah he's yeah. He's, you know, you gotta like really like have the book. You sell the book to the agent first, and then the agent says, "Yeah, I, I think we can work with this." Or may have to have you rework it sixteen times before they think it's ready. So you know, a lot harder yeah. mountain to climb. And I, you know, people. That's why. Yeah, if you've published a book at all, you you've accomplished something very special. Absolutely. Yes. yes. And even if you self published, you've accomplished something. But, yeah. You know, to get it, but to get uh, an agent and a, and, and a publishing house to actually think about it, because I mean they're going to lose money on it. <laughs> it's yeah. just a question of how 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 much money, how close they can get to not losing money. I think is their model right now. God, we'll talk at some point. Look, because I always feel like with <laughs> stuff like this, Absolutely. and I appreciate like the level of detail, because like with. And with media in general, whether it's journalists and pitching journalists for stories or, you know, it's getting a show where concept supported by any kind of platform. And I'm not even talking about like Netflix level, but just any level platform or publishing a book. There's there's often like a, a black box, so to speak, where it's like people don't want to tell you how to do it, maybe out of fear of making it too easy. But also it's like, damn it. Tell me how to do these things. Um, and so I appreciate that from you, AJ. And we'll have to, we'll have, look, we'll, we'll talk. We'll talk about the book, Absolutely. AJ. We'll figure it out. Yeah. Um, but I always think about, I appreciate what you said about the interviews because um, I have interviewed hundreds of people long form at this point. I'm like, damn, there's so much, there's so much that I need to get out of my head and <laughs> into some kind of format that exists beyond me. Um, and so I, I appreciate that. And I think that like, this actually, this actually ties in really well to uh, one of my signature questions, my signature question on Pod Friends. Yes. Um, and I have to ask you about that, the book or documentary thing of if your life, AJ, and I know you have an answer. If your life were a book, 
or a documentary, <laughs> what would the title be and why? I know you have it right now. You have it. Well, well enough. No, stop it. Since I've already written the book about my life, my memoir. Uh, yes. Yeah. I mean, yes, it's out yes, here. It's Obviously, is it's, it's the obvious thing. See, I, I was prepared for that question because I've done it. I've written that one. Um, there was also a documentary made about me, not my full life, but my experience with Mr. Met. Uh, yeah. It's called Being Mr. Met. It was uh-huh. directed by Errol Morris. Which get uh-huh. out. Errol Morris directed me in a film. That's insane. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Academy Award winner Errol Morris. The Fog of War. I remember watching The Fog of War in yes. high school. Yes. Uh, Wormwood. Yeah. He, uh, he was a trip. He was a trip. Aaron Morris. I did not like him when he was directing me. At, eh. at, at the time we started, I did not like him. We just didn't get a We didn't see eye to eye at first, but I grew yeah. over a course of time to really appreciate what he was trying to do. Uh, mm. And he gave he paid me one of the greatest compliments I've ever been paid is that uh, he was, they were discussing the film he had made about me. And he said that said AJ is the deepest person I've ever interviewed. Huh. And he's interviewed like, you know, Dick Cheney. <laughs> like, well, I mean, I'm not uh, no no offense to you AJ, you are very deep. Um, but I wasn't gonna, I mean Dick I I'm not I wasn't assuming that Dick Cheney was like the deep, no offense to Dick. Well, Cheney. I mean, you know, um, okay, the difference between a <laughs> vice president and me, like you know, like in terms of who's going to yeah. be sticking in his memory, I think that was pretty cool. That's well, I I'm think saying. and I think that the thing that's really interesting too, maybe to our point, uh a point that came up earlier is just that like yeah, we can't and if there's like one thing I hope that people could get through their heads and like even that just like listening to a random episode of pod friends with someone that you might not even know gets through is like, yeah, there are a lot of people who have a lot of stories that are not that you like, it could be the most interesting thing and not have the biggest platform like that, yes. you know, and, 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 so, and there's always something interesting or insightful from, from people. If you spend enough time, if you ask the right questions, if you dive deep enough. So, I mean, yeah, I think Errol Morris, like, that's that's uh, that is a high compliment, really, especially I, I someone stunned. who's met, I'm sure, so many people who are, I mean, at least like uh, cinema, cinema worthy, though. Again, I would hope that there would be like 10 more AJ masses or 10 more, <laughs> you know, right, like deep people that they could highlight. Um, but, you know, you are one of a kind. So, oh, Pashaw, thank you so much. <laughs> I am one of a kind, but we are, you we are. are all one of a kind. That's, that's what's really so right. That's what's so that's great right. about it. It's that's like, right. You know, we were all cookie cutter. Yeah, that would, that would not be that would not be a fun world. To live in. Well, I, I think like uh, it, this is very real. And I want to kind of just uh, I want to ask kind of as we near the conclusion of oh, the, denouement. We've reached the, denouement. Of our, the denouement of our cherished time together. Um, oh, yeah, I'm kind of curious, like um, what does we haven't really talked about it that much, but like what does your life look like nowadays? Life, well, work, all of that stuff, you know. I mean, all things considered in a pretty good place. Uh, you know, I'm uh, in addition to the podcasting that I do from time to time mm-hmm. uh, with with uh, post show recaps and, and, yeah. and, you know, being part of the, the Walking Dead team who, mm-hmm. who will never die. <laughs> uh, you know, my job at ESPN, uh, which is going great. And, I, you know, I enjoy what I do. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm entering a very big transition year here. 
uh, you know, married to my lovely wife, Sarah, for 23 years. This is year 23. That's the advantage of being married in the year 2000. Just what year is it? That's uh, how long we've been married. Uh, I can do the math very easily. But um, and, and I don't talk about my wife, Sarah, a lot because she doesn't. Yeah. Love, she just just doesn't like to be uh, the right. center of attention. She doesn't like yeah. publicity. But, you know, uh, that's the only reason I don't mention her as much as. Uh, but my son, uh, Xander, is a high school senior. Mm-hmm. And so we've spent much of the last year doing the college tour thing, and uh, he's he's getting ready to embark. He's once his senior year is done in a few months, he will be heading up to my alma mater, Syracuse, which he wow. chose on his own. I did not put yeah. my foot on the scale at all. Um, but we're going to be empty nesters, and yeah. that is going to be a it's a huge difference. And so you know, I've pretty much Sarah and I have spent the last eighteen years totally focused on getting Xander to this point and yes we'll yeah. still be his parents and obviously we're, he, he doesn't cease to be our son and we, but it's different because my day-to-day activities you know my weekend activities were all Xander focused and it was like you know I was coaching <laughs> this soccer team and you know we did marching band and we you know go to school plays and things like that and now we have to like rebuild our social life yeah. uh, and our itinerary without him and that's that's going to be different and I'm excited and looking forward to it but it's also uh, you know, it's the first time in 18 years <laughs> that my life isn't going to be focused on take care of the yeah. kid. Um, yeah. So I'd like to pat ourselves on the back. I think we did a very good job. Uh, you know, it's, it's always nice when, you know, his teachers say, oh, we love him. And, you know, the fact that we were able to get him into college and he you know, pretty much did it all on his own in terms of the application process. And, you know, it's nice that he doesn't need us to hold his hand through the thing. But, you know, of course, yeah. we're always going to be here for him as a support system. But uh, yeah, yeah, I don't know what my life's going to look like next year. It's going to be very different. Well, that's that's good. And I I, I just want to give you uh, I love that you brought this up uh, with your son, Xander, and being an empty nester, because I when I was in college at the George Washington University, the, yes, I uh, I worked in the I'm, I'm uh, cringing and I think I just uh, <laughs> bombed it a little bit um, right there. But anyway, so I was uh, it, it, the office name has changed. But at the time. There was an office of parent services at the university. Now it's like maybe it's called like office of parent and family services or something like that. Yes, you got to like include it in guardian. Absolutely. Yes, yes. <laughs> and 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 I mean I don't yeah, all, yeah I don't even know what they do nowadays. But like what uh, it was really interesting as a student, um, especially of like a very type A mom, especially who was like very much one to be involved and engaged and all that. Uh, I, I, I worked with um, some of the director of parent services, Rodney Johnson, shout to him. He retired years back, but he used to say, you know, uh, there's, they're the helicopter parents. And oh, what okay. his job is, is to like each, you know, each, each semester of the freshman year, like to take a little bit of gas out of the helicopter, not while <laughs> yeah. you're flying it, not while you're flying it, you need it then. But like, you know, when you land, maybe when you're tempted to like, oh, I've got to, I want to go up to Syracuse, you know, like, I feel like I could see you being like, oh, I want to go up to Syracuse, you know, for old times sake and to check in on Xander, you know, maybe like you, you look and the gas isn't in the helicopter. So you don't <laughs> take that trip, but um, yeah. yeah, it sounds like an exciting journey and it's cool to see the constant evolution. Um, Xander will be okay. Don't show up unannounced ever. Oh, no, uh, in fact, I, w- I will tell you, Matt, that was, that was, one of the things that I figured out <laughs> when I was looking for colleges as, as a student and yeah. what we impressed upon him, draw two circles on a map. Uh-huh. Okay. You want to be far enough away that we are, you know, we are not going to drop by unannounced. 
mm-hmm. but not so far that in an emergency we can't get there. Yeah, I think that's the perfect two circles. How many hours? How many hours away is it? Would that be? Uh, well, Syracuse is five and a half hours away. Okay, so that's a that, good distance. That's we can get there in a day. Okay, well, in yeah. emergency, we we can drive there. We we you know, but yeah. Yeah, it's, it, that's not a day trip where we're, <laughs> we're going to go up and back. We're not we're not dropping in on an ounce. It, it happens, well, you know. Good. So, you know, like two hours to, to six hours out is a really good circle to draw. That's I, I agree. I know I'm at the th- uh, about four, four hour mark ish from yeah. from uh, where I am in New Jersey. Perfect distance. Um, but this has been awesome. Kind of yeah. in. like we touched on so many different things. I don't know if there's anything else you want to kind of say. Well, well, actually, ooh, ooh. I don't want to. I don't want to be. I, I need to ask you the other question that I typically ask. Just, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's not break like just about this community. <laughs> like, I, I'm curious because we didn't touch on. We haven't been as self-referential as we can. But like, what has just being part of this Rob as a podcast community been like? And um, I'm gonna pull you into the trap, which I'll call the jessica lee's trap because she avoided it but uh the any shout outs uh that you want to give yeah i i heard jess try to weasel her way out of it by saying she did she would forget people and therefore wouldn't name anybody it's like (laughs) i love you know it's like the academy awards you win and they're playing you off and you know you're like oh and everybody else you know who you are see i've said Uh your name haha yeah yeah Uh, (laughs) yeah and then then hillary swank still doesn't mention her husband oops (laughs) (laughs) Uh, that was it that was the biggest controversy in- i was gonna say uh yeah hillary i didn't think i was gonna have a hillary swank reference this week or this year to be honest but well i mean i, hope she's, doing, you know, I hope she's doing well talking her stint on 90210 but um <laughs> i could tie it back into the tv sure why not uh yeah I, I think what was great is that like rob sucked me into this community mm. Long time ago, maybe 10, 12 years ago. I don't know, it's been a while. It's been a minute. It was very early yeah. on. It was uh it was the uh Albert Sophie coach season of Survivor, <laughs> I think was my first uh, yeah. archetypes. Uh, I love how uh by the way, I just want to say I love how Albert was got got top billing there. Oh. Yes, because he always gets short shrift, even though I mean Sophie should have won that season and did. So you know it was it was a just mm. it was a just win, as far as I'm concerned. But um yeah. The uh, yeah, the community has always been very welcoming uh, from the get go, and I, I've developed such really good real life friends, uh, which start out as just yeah, hey, it's it's Rob on on <laughs> on on the phone, you know, kind of thing to like you no know, real life meetings, and you know, obviously, shout out to Josh Wiggler, who uh, mm-hmm. you know is uh, done so many podcasts with Josh and Mike yeah. Bloom and Antonio yeah. Mazzaro, Joe Garfine, who's Pops in every now and then. Uh, we we had branched off and did our own little the hundred podcast for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, just just the people that I that I met uh, early on, which kept me in the community and kept coming back. Uh, which is just uh, you know still get top honors. And then you know since then you know starting to do podcasts with Jess uh, mm-hmm. and the new batch of people who I think have been fantastic have been on podcast. I try to be on as many podcasts as I can. Yeah, uh, just to kind of extend my welcome, even though who am I, right? <laughs> uh, you know, I but I do try to to uh, you know help people out and 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 welcome them to the community. I think Amon does a great job uh, mm-hmm. on on the RuPaul podcast. Yeah, uh, you know, Liana and Puya. Uh, certainly, 
Grace uh, helped with uh, with the sports podcast and kick that and get that off. Yeah, the love, love podcasting with Grace. And uh, you, of course, now have, have, have joined uh, people I've, I've worked with. And there's one it's, name I'm leaving out because oh. I, I, I wanted to save the best for last, as it were. But, you know, he's on some you already podcasts. mentioned me. No, but does he does, does he need to? No, but I I have become <laughs> no. really good friends with Chappelle uh, over, over the past year, and I just I, you know uh, I would never have had a chance to meet someone like Chappelle I if not Chappelle. through this community, and you know it it that that's what this is all about. It's like you know I, yeah. I feel like I have a friend for life in Chappelle now, and uh, it's it, it's because of this community. It's because because yeah. we both were talking about the stupid Walking Dead show. Yeah. <laughs> no, and I will you know? say with Chappelle because like Chappelle, I I I'm choosing my words carefully right here. <laughs> oh wait, by the way, before getting to Chappelle, I'll just say and everyone else to add to. And everyone else, no, like it's so uh, many people, but that's the point. Like there are so many people, and I'm sure you know. Yeah, yeah, me, you know. I will say, uh, it, like with with Chappelle, love Chappelle. Uh, hopefully, one day he'll come on Pod Friends. Um, he's a <laughs> he's a loyal listener, which is the thing, and he's a, he's like such a great supporter of so many people. And I think, like, uh, you know, um, I'm I'm uh, I've always been a fan of Chappelle's, but I think, especially as a friend, I appreciate him so much. And like the time, the limited amounts of time that we've had in person, but the time that we had in person, like it's cool to know. I like. I need to get to Texas to uh, go to. Well, I'm roller, hoping we can get him out of Texas and and <laughs> move yeah, him closer to me. But that's I was gonna say maybe we'll, we'll drop him in. Philly. Actually, Philly would be a nice uh, middle ground good. for the two of us. Actually, it'd be really close to you, I guess. So absolutely, I'll, I'll do it. Like, let's, out, yeah, let's do it. Let's um, let's work on moving Chappelle. Um, we'll have him here on Pod Friends eventually. Uh, and yeah, so many great community members and folks to shout out. I want to give you the chance, AJ, because we could be here for uh, ever. Um, I want to see if you uh, just have any. I don't want to say final words because I'm really hoping that these aren't your final words. I don't want to have anyone's final not. words on this <laughs> podcast. Woo! Um, but ooh, dark. Uh, but I want to see any final words for this podcast today. <laughs> no, I just, I just. I'm a fan of the show. Uh, thank you for having me on, Matt. I think you do a great job. And I think this does serve a really, uh, there's a purpose to this podcast. It's not, mm-hmm. it's not nearly as disposable <laughs> as some of the other ones. Um, no, I think, I think it's important to, uh, to have discussions and have a, a, have a safe space where discussions can be had. And I think you do a great job moderating them, which is why I want it to be on. Uh, and yeah, just, just be excellent to each other. And party on, dudes. <laughs> wow, 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 wow. Thank you, everybody, for tuning into this week's episode of Pod Friends. This is Matt Scott just thanking you for being here on the journey, for being part of this conversation with AJ. And I hope that you'll stay on the journey and subscribe at Rob as a website dot com slash pod friends feed or wherever you listen to podcasts and if you leave five stars if you leave review it definitely means a lot to me um it goes a long way i wish i heard from more folks um with how these conversations impact them and if you want to reach out and be one of the folks that i hear from you can email at pod friends at rob's or 
connect with me on social media at Matt Scott GW. Feel free to DM me and reach out. I promise I'll get back to you. I'll get in touch. Um, and you could also follow along at Hey Pod Friends on Twitter. And I will actually be on the Rapids podcast Instagram at Rahapgrams, or that's at R-H-A-P-G-R-A-M-S. Almost didn't spell that one correctly. Um, where I will be doing an Instagram takeover this coming Tuesday. February 21st um, and actually as a sneak peek I'm planning on doing a pod friends interview as part of that so tune in and um, see a day in my life and what that day in particular will look like but again thank you all for being on the journey hope that you're hanging in there that you're doing well that you're checking with yourself um, and that you reach out if um, there's any way anyone could be supportive and help you and as always I just want to thank you for being a pod friend Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.